Listener Production. Brooke Boney and Linda Mariano's Dream Club. Welcome to the final episode of Brooke and Linda's Dream Club for the year. Each week, I can't believe we've made it an entire year, Lindy, and this year of all years, oh my gosh, each week we have turned on the mics in our little podcast studio and rattled off our favourites of 2021. So we are going to absolutely celebrate by wrapping up the best of everything, best movies, books, TV, music, miscellaneous woofy moments, and we are slicing in a few of your favourites as well. Linda, it's been a big bloody year and we've consumed a lot of content because a lot of the time there wasn't anything else to do. So let's get into it. Dream Club. Okay, so let's start with TV, I think, because the TV has been the real winner of the year in terms of getting it's us been, through 2021. TV's been my best friend. TV is my family. Yeah. <laughs> I call my TV mum. I call my TV um, sweetheart. Hey, sweetheart, <laughs> what do you want for dinner? You're not hungry. Why are you, you're not even touching your dinner, sweetheart. What's wrong with you? Why are you being so silent? Why are you doing this to me? you got to turn the volume up, babe. <laughs> Okay, so we're rounding up our favourite visuals. So we'll go movies and TV, but we'll kick off with TV. What was your favourite television show of 2021, Brooke Boney? Oh, well, I think for me there were so many things that I watched, but I loved and the thing that stands out to me the most when I think back over the year is WandaVision. You know, we talked about it on the podcast in one of our very first episodes, I think, and it was a female-led production. It was a story centred around the female experience. It was a whole female team. Wanda and Vision, aren't we a five pair? This is our home now. I want us to fit in. Oh, this is going to be a gas. I loved everything about it. I loved the acting. I loved the the writing. I loved the themes. I just thought they did such a wonderful job and it still is one of my favourite moments ever written for TV where she's sitting on the bed next to her partner and he says, what is grief but love enduring? It's one of the most beautiful lines Mm. ever written for television. Um, So that for me is the absolute standout. And I want to give an honourable mention to the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe because I think, you know, when we think back to how television and film was made, even just a few years ago, they have really shifted the landscape. When we think of a a superhero movie like Shang-Chi, which um, has an Asian lead as the the main character, as the hero of Mm. the story. That's these are the sorts of things that have never been done before. Having a director like Chloe Zhao, you know, come in and do something that is hugely commercially successful for the Eternals and something incredibly beautiful and true to the way that she makes films. I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe is doing diversity, for lack of a better word, um, incredibly well and proving that when you do bring more voices to the table, things can be really successful and appeal to broader audiences. And I love that they've done it. You've nailed it. It's exactly yes. it. They what are setting start? a standard and they're doing it through blockbusters as well. Yeah. You know, this is so exciting. I have uh, a total favourite as well. And I think that it's one that a lot of people are going to cross over with me. And that is that I think my most 
enjoyable, thrilling, edge of my seat, but also totally comedic TV show that I loved this year has to be The White Lotus. Aloha. Happy to be here. We're on our honeymoon. You're such valued guests. Welcome to The White Lotus. What an ensemble, like, cast of characters. So kooky, so wonderfully weird, so detailed, and just this kind of array of themes talking about class systems. The cast is amazing. Jennifer Coolidge, what a standout, what an icon. And what I love about it as well is choosing exactly what the director wanted to do, Mike White, creating a TV show that spans the course of six episodes and doing it in a way that is so cinematic that there's a start, a middle and an end, and that is the end. The finale leaves you gagging for more but also really wraps everything up and I just couldn't get enough of it. I couldn't wait until every Sunday Australia time there was a new episode of The White Lotus. What I loved about it was that parts of it were quite absurd. Yes! And I like we love that sort of humour. We love indulging in that sort of ridiculousness. It was dark. It was so dark. Like there's one scene and I don't want to give it away in case you're going to watch it while you're on holidays, little Wolfie. But, you know, there's one scene where a guy does something particularly heinous into a suitcase and you're like, <laughs> this is absurd. What the heck? Yeah, that's what I loved about yeah, it. There's there's a, characters. It's a very woofy type of show. It is. There's characters you love, there's characters you hate, and you just can't get enough of watching them on screen. Honourable mentions as well. Uh, i got to say the second season of Love on the Spectrum Michael, is just incredible. Michael, uh, we just... I'd want to hang out with you so badly. Please follow me back on Instagram. Please respond to our DMs. Uh, we love you so much. Also, the similarly one season Wonder of Maid, which is on Netflix. I think that the creative journey of the main character, played by Margaret Qualley, was superb. Yeah, absolutely. Really heart wrenching stuff. And Denise Heffernan Roper, um, she wrote in and said, Widow, made in 2019. Absolute Cracker stars Kate Beckinsale, Alex Kingston, Charles Dance and Matthew Lenevin. So we're going to read out some of your Wolfie recommendations as well because do you know what? We all have excellent taste. We truly do. That is the main, that's the number one characteristic of being a dreamer, of being a Wolfie. And while we trawl through the DMs to see whether or not the cast of Love on the Spectrum are following us back at the Dream Club podcast, we also look at your messages. So a shout out to you, Denise, for hitting us up with your favourite recommendation of Widow. Should we move on to movies, Wolfie? Let's move on to movies. So um, my favourite of the year, and I actually kind of can't believe that this came out this year because it feels like it was like two years ago that I watched it. Um, But I watched this like right in the depths of lockdown, you know, in a rainy, cold, depressing, lonely Sydney. And this was something that brightened up my entire evening. And I felt like I had a beautiful sort of hopefulness in my heart, a pep in my step for the rest of the week. It is the um, Korean-American movie Minari. The cinematography on this is so beautiful, so, so beautiful. So it's about a Korean-American family and they move to a farm in the middle of Arkansas to sort of like create their own version of 
of like an American dream. And so they, you know, they start farming. Um, there's all of these family dynamics that are really, really beautiful. The grandmother interacting with the grandchildren, the husband and the wife and the way that they navigate challenges and just the way that they try to make things work. It's so heartwarming and heart-wrenching simultaneously. Um, and I want to give an honourable mention to um, Promising Young Woman. Um, that also, surprisingly, came out this year. That feels wild. Yeah. That feels like four years ago that I watched that I brilliant know. film. Um, and that was that came out right sort of in the depths of all of the stuff that came out about Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins. So it was like this really intense period for women um, and for people who care about women in Australia. And so to see all of that... Um, you know, sort of culminate in this beautiful experience of, of this movie. It's it's harrowing in parts and a massive trigger warning to anyone who's experienced sexual assault or is triggered by those sorts of themes. You know, they put themselves in danger, girls like that. You'd think you'd learn by that age, right? Please lay down. It's, it's a really, really beautiful example of the way that, um, you know, when women come together and tell stories about things, um, a lot can be achieved. And also, massive shout out to Margot Robbie because it was her production company that created Promising Young Woman. I loved it. I loved a little twist at the end mm. as well. Mm. Very good. My favourite movie of the year, in fact, the, a couple of the films that I saw as part of the Sydney Film Festival, which was one of the very uh, minimal times that we were allowed to be out <laughs> and about in this year before being pulled back and pulled out of lockdown. Um, but the Japanese film Drive My Car, the adaptation of a Haruki Murakami short story about a man that is, well, on paper it's that there's a, a man that is widowed that seeks a chauffeur and he develops a really special relationship with this woman that's almost like a daughter figure to him. But more so than that, like the films that you've mentioned, the cinematography is so stunning and you just feel completely moved by this film that is an exercise in subtlety, poetry through the script, even though, you know, of course it's in Japanese, so you, for me I'm reading the subtitles, but just the way it is written, the way the story unfolds in this really understated but erotic and surprising way the whole way through really just left me with the feeling of thinking about those characters long after I'd walked out of the cinema. And similarly, the other film that I'll give the runner-up Badge 2 is the film that both you and I saw and bawled our eyes out as we were watching <laughs> at the film festival, which is Blue Bayou, the gorgeous telling of a family that feels like it is about to be wrenched apart in New Orleans in America with a Korean-American lead. It's beautiful viewing. Lindy, another one of the things that really got us through this year um, was going for a little stroll, our silly little state-sanctioned scroll within <laughs> our five-kilometre radius and listening to podcasts. Now, for me, and I'm going to circle right back to the top of 2021, it is Chani Nicholas for me. She got me through this year. 
beautiful meditations, beautiful observations about the world and the way that we interact with it. It's an astrology podcast, and you'll know this if you are a, a true, a real one, a true wolfie, um, and listened from the beginning. Because Chenny Nicholas is an American astrologer. She's really cool. She's very woke. She's the sort of woman who you see um, on Instagram and want to be friends with her because she's like infinitely cooler than any of us could ever be. Uh, she also has a really wonderful way that she speaks about astrology, and she relates it to real everyday things. So the thing that I like about the the podcast that she has, The Week Ahead, and the readings that she does for you if you subscribe to the app, is that she sort of teaches you to be a better, more thoughtful person through like her astrological readings. Like She's talking about mindfulness. She's talking about being careful um, with other people's feelings and thoughts. She's talking about being thoughtful in the way that you move around the world and being careful not to you know, pollute it and damage it and also about like political structures. So um, that is my number one recommendation. If you haven't got on the Chenny bandwagon, jump on it now. And I want to give a special mention to the New York Times Sunday Reads as well. I <laughs> It sounds like I'm an old person because I'm pretty sure there used to be radio stations that were dedicated to reading out articles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Newspaper they still articles. have that on some AM stations. Yeah. I find it very soothing. <laughs> I love it. And the New York Times Sunday Reads is exactly that. It's a beautiful, long story um, about something and they do it every every Sunday. You know, we love stories. Also, we're putting all of our recommendations, our full lists on our Instagram. So please do check our socials because you know I love a story and a podcast. And my favourite podcasts of this year, surprise, surprise, have been a couple of fiction podcasts. I love a deeply engrossing, thrilling, weird story. My number one one is probably one of the ones from, you guessed it, Q Code, who are an American company that specializes in really bizarre, often science fiction or slightly um, absurdist drama podcasts. So the one that I'm going to mention is Electric Easy. It's one that I've spoken about on this podcast. So it's a science fiction slash very music-based podcast. Kesha is one of the main producers of it. The Sound design in this podcast is stunning. It's a story about electrics, so androids in the future, and their struggles as a minority community against humans. The way that it's set out mirrors the struggles of the LGBTQ plus community. It mirrors, you know, racial divides. It's really moving. It's really cool. The music is awesome. It's probably the coolest podcast that I've listened to this year. And then honourable mention is to Passenger List, another thrilling podcast uh, that is about a girl trying to find her missing brother. She's an Asian American. There's beautiful bilingual moments in it. And once again, go on your little strolls, listen to some fiction and just get lost in a bit of a story as you patter your feet around the park. Do you know what I reckon is a good measure for um, whether or not a podcast is your favourite is if you can mimic the host voice because, you know, you listen to them like all the time. So <laughs> this is... Um, or like the intro. Yeah, like the intro or like the outro or like when they throw it or break. So this is what Chani sounds like. She's like, I'm Chani Nicholas and this is The Week Ahead. Oh, that's good. Can you do one? I can do the girl that does the ads within uh, the Electric Easy podcast and it starts with a cool beat. 
a bit Peloton like ding 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 ding. Hey, this is Neil. Everybody, every girl has a really downturned voice. I'm really cool. Hey, this is Neely from the Q Code team, and if you're struggling, these are some recommendations, and they give you recommendations for psychology <laughs> apps. It's very cool. That's so cool. Hey, um, should we continue our audio journey of our favourites and go on to some music vibes? What was your favourite album of 2021, Brookie? Well, this one is one that I listen to a lot. It's one that I sort of go to when I'm cooking. It's one that I go to when I'm just wanting a bit of a stretch and lay on the floor. It's one that I go to when I'm reading. It's just a really, really beautiful album. It is called Promises. It's by, it's like a collaboration between three different music genre artists. So the first one is an electronic musician from uh, America called Floating Points. The second is a jazz musician called Ferris Sanders. And the third is the London Symphony Orchestra. So it's all of those three genres of music in sort of like a classical format, I guess, is like, I don't know, nine different movements. And it is so incredibly beautiful. It is soft and sweet, really tense in moments. It's one of those ones where you could just lay there and listen to it and it will bring you to tears. But also you can just have it as something that's on in the background while you're pottering around the house. I don't know that much about music, but I know that it, it makes you feel something. And um, this for me is one of those. And if that's the soundtrack of the year for me, then I'm sort of pretty happy with that. There's been so much great music that's come out this year. And I've got some real favourites as well. I love that Floating Points record. What a beautiful album. I think for me, in terms of rounding up the year, we can't go past Montero, the debut record oh. from Lil Nas X, an album that I am fingers crossing is going to get some awards at the Grammys early next year. Such an important record from a guy that has really put his stamp on what hip hop and pop I think should be sounding like and feeling like today in terms of sexuality, proud diversity, positivity, wanting to be loved, Get Into Montero by Lil Nas X. Follow-ups in terms of that, uh, a record from a London producer, kind of along the same lines as your Floating Points recommendation, an album that can really fill you with joy and positivity in dance music, but at the same time you can play it in the background as you're cooking or you can put it on really loud and dance around. The Fred Again double releases of albums this year. He put out two records, both of them called Actual Life, so Actual Life 1 and Actual Life 2, a poignant snapshot of a pandemic with the backdrop of amazing house music. Also, let's do a couple of quick mentions. The Genesis Awusu record, Loved the guy it. that won everything at the Arias this year Cleaned for Smiling up. With No Teeth. Similarly, uh, Kid Leroy's Stay, just for some honourable singles mentions, and I think Adele's Easy On Me. Yeah. Easily one of the most beautiful singles of the year. Oh, that is beautiful, India. I'll just wrap it up and put a little bow on top, and that is a present to you. Um, and also, before we actually tie up that bow into a double knot, let's just pack in there Bonnie Murdoch's suggestion. Um, she's a dreamer, uh, an OG, a real one, <laughs> and she recommended Billie Eilish's Happier Than Ever album, and we loved that one too. Brooke Boney and Linda Mariano. The Dream Club.
Um, all right, let's get into some reading material for you as well because you know what is the best thing about holidays is like laying on the beach or by the pool or in the backyard, getting a little bit of sun, obviously wearing a lot of sunscreen and a big hat and whipping out a book. For me, um, the one that I enjoyed the most or got the most out of this year was Who Gets to Be Smart by Brie Lee. She's an Australian author. She's based in Sydney. This book talks about um, how education intersects with race, with class, with gender. And I loved all of the anecdotes that she um, popped into it as well. So it sort of starts out with her visiting a friend who's in Oxford. And she looks around and sees that a lot of the people who are there who have access to this education and therefore have access to power and money and influence are um, are people who are all from a similar background. It's a wonderful story about how education policy has been designed and destroyed over the last 10 years and how that impacts people from disadvantaged communities. Um, I really, really recommend you check that one out. Wow. My favourite of this year has got to be Love and Virtue, the Mm. debut fiction novel. It's one of those ones that's kind of made it onto so many top recommendations list from a young Sydney author. Her name's Diana Reed. A lot of people are saying, oh, she's the new Sally Rooney, etc. It's a really cool fiction novel. It's about a few different things. It's about consent. It's about navigating relationships. It's set within a university campus. Some pretty questionable things go on within one girl's life and experience across a year. At the heart of it, it's about a pretty troubled female friendship and what happens along the way. I loved reading this book and so did Edwina who hit us up on the Dream Club podcast on Instagram. You say it is a cracking debut. It is my favourite book of the year. Do you know what? I'm so glad you recommended that because I got sent it and it's been sitting on my pile. You know, you have that pile yeah, of books where you're like, yeah. yes, this looks interesting. I will it's get around really to reading It's really good. So I'm going to move it from the middle of the pile and put it right on the top. So it has been a big old bloody year. But there have been some real moments throughout that have brought us a little bit of happiness. Um, And look, I did have J-Lo and Ben Affleck as my miscellaneous (laughs) favourite moment of the year because I just loved, you know, that, you know, in a world full of turmoil and, and, you know, um, destruction. They found love and they got back together and like recreated all of those like (laughs) cringy pap shots. I loved that so much. But actually, I want to go back now and Mulligans, scratch that one and say that my actual favourite moment, and it was probably a little bit silly now that I think back on it, but it was the opening night of Hamilton in Sydney because Ooh. there was this real, like, joy in the air. What's the French, what do they say? Like, joy de, joy de vivre? Joy de vision. I don't know. There was a real joy division in the air. <laughs> Love will tear us apart. No. Um, there was a real joy in the air and it really felt like we'd reached the end of the pandemic and, mm. you know, people were wearing masks in the theatre and it was this beautiful show and, you know, they're singing this is the greatest city in the world, talking about New York, but it really felt like Sydney at that point was the greatest city in the world. Um, and then fast forward a month and a half later and we are all back in lockdown again. <laughs> so maybe we celebrated a little bit too soon. But I will never forget that night. Oh, well, how about this for a, for one of my favourite miscellaneous moments of the year? It actually happened on Friday where I found myself watching a live stream. That's right. I committed to a live stream. I watched the entire thing from start to finish. In fact, I started watching it 
before it even began. I was one of those people that had my laptop open while every fan had their comments going, when is he getting on stage? When is he getting on stage? When is he getting on stage? And I was like, should I join in on this? Did you see any good comments? Because, you know, like when you sit there and you can see them like popping up. I I once saw one in a press conference that I was waiting for. What was the comment? It was like right at the beginning of the pandemic last year and Scott Morrison was getting up to do a press conference and it was when they just started having the Auslan interpreters um, come and join in Mm. and someone commented, um, why is that person doing a TikTok? This is so disrespectful because they thought the Auslan interpreter was doing a dance because people weren't used to it yet. Oh, my God. See, this is what a beautiful thing Mm. that we have that. And Auslan interpreters, they are just mesmerizing and so cool. I love it. I love, I love watching it. them. Yeah, Loved watching them at, them at Ability Festival recently while they're like simultaneously doing the lyrics that were happening on stage. So I love when they get into it too, oh, you know, they're and they're like, if it's given a sexy the sass, lyric, then, then they're go, like giving sexy moves. I amazing. love that. Well, okay, back to the live stream that I was watching. Not only was it a benefit concert for the incarcerated Larry Hoover in the States, it was also a squashing of a beef between two of the world's biggest music stars. It was the Kanye featuring Drake stadium show that happened in Los Angeles at the Memorial Coliseum over Friday. So it was it was an iconic performance. I don't use that word lightly. I use the word iconic often. But in this case, I truly believe it. You mean it. it. (laughs) I actually mean it. I think that it was the best live stream that I've seen and there's been so many over the last couple of years. But not only that, it was just an incredible concert. It actually made me get up, dance around my living room, tears in my eyes as Kanye went through all of the hits from his back catalogue Him and Drake have had this long-running beef. He'd invited Drake to come and perform with him. So it was just this amazing moment. And what it did was Kanye is, like all of us, flawed. We have seen in the last couple of years how incredibly up and down his mental health has been. His separation from Kim has been very public. His battles with his mental health and those struggles. The flaws that have happened with album releases with the people that he's chosen to collaborate with. Amongst that, he is still one of the most forward-thinking, artistically focused, almost godlike characters in the contemporary world, not just in music but in terms of the art direction, the visuals, what he pushes forward conceptually was what was seen during this stadium show. And I must say, being a huge fan of Drake, Drake felt like a kid in primary school compared to the palpable stage presence, charisma and artistic direction of what Kanye put forward. So that for me was actually a very special moment. Also... Imagine if in 10 years' time him and Kim get back together and that's our J-Lo Ben Affleck story for them. Well, dude, everybody was frothing over the mic drop moment at the end of Runaway where he says, run back to me, baby, run right back to me, run right back to me. And then he says, more specifically, Kimberly. (gasps) It was truly a... Truly a moment. Did Drake sing um, Kiki, Do You Love Me? No, Drake's 
I was going to say Drake sucked. He didn't suck, but he just didn't do any of the hits and that's what we needed. But imagine if he's saying that in, and Kanye was there. That might have been a bit of a Oh, bit that would have brought the beef back, back up. up again. Okay, well, I'm glad he didn't do uh, it. That brings us to the end of our recommendations in this episode. Hope you have enjoyed all of our favourite things and some of your favourite things. Like I said, Woofie and I have so many more to throw into our list, so they are all going to be up on the Dream Club podcast Instagram page so you can get them, save them, watch them, listen to them. Do all the things. Dream Club. If you are going to have a family gathering for Christmas, remember that it's a tense time for everyone. So show extra grace to your family because you haven't seen them all yet. Exercise a little bit of extra patience and courteousness while driving. You know that we are rushing around getting to our last minute appointments for the the last Dream Club update of the year. It is a very special time. We do love it so much. And I think I just want to echo what I was saying about the Hamilton musical, you know, that time this year has gone by in a way that feels utterly surreal in that it feels short and long and it's been up and down. And no matter if you're one of the lucky ones, um, you know, it's still been, been pretty tough. It's been a trying time for all of us. And so my Dream Club update is just to lean into those moments, go out to theatre, go out and experience joy, hug your loved ones, you know, kiss the people that you love on the forehead because, um, you know, life is too short. Um, And, yeah, I guess that's it. (laughs) I don't know. That's that's the end of that chapter. (laughs) (laughs) That is beautiful. Mm. I'm going to kiss a lot of foreheads over the holidays because of that. Oh, I'm gonna sniff the forest. Look, this is too. A, this is that's where you really you? get. That's where you really get someone's scent is in their forehead. I think that's where it comes Do it from. Oh, your forehead smells nice. Does it? Yeah. Hmm. Inspired by the scent of a wolfie. <laughs> the scent of a wolfie. <laughs> that's my that's our movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Okay, so my Dream Club update is a short, sweet one, and hopefully you're feeling the same as well. It's been a long, bloody bugger of a year. Uh, It's probably also been a long time since you have had a holiday. I am very much looking forward to the end of deadlines, the ends of showing up really heavily for work-focused things, tasks, to-do lists, and embracing a break that we all so deserve. So I am saying goodbye to deadlines, hello to tan lines uh, this summer. So, But I am slip-slop-slapping, don't you worry. But that's what I'm saying is that I'm just so looking forward to all of us having a big, beautiful Mm. break where we're actually resetting from... Having all of us gone through a lot this year, think about what you've done. Maybe even do a little journal entry. I'm going to do that this weekend of thinking about all of the stuff that's gone on and kind of snapshotting it because in years to come, we're going to to have erased this last year from our memory, basically. I actually think we will to protect ourselves. To protect ourselves. But I think that it'll be really beautiful going back and reading it 
in maybe five years, maybe 15, maybe 30 and going, wow, that was a hard time, but I got through it and I'm feeling more positive and more hopeful than ever because there were things that were really useful in Mm. that year and that were really strengthening. So enjoy your break. We love you. We'll catch you next year. Join our dream club. We bloody made it. We made it through the year. We will be back next year. But until then, please join our Dream Club and follow us at the Dream Club Podcast on Instagram. Tag us in a pick, a final pick of where you're listening. Or if you go back and listen to some more episodes, you know, you can go back and get some more recommendations. Show us where you're listening from. Tell your sweet, chuggy friends we love them and we love you. Yeah. Thank you for this year. Love you, Wolfies, so much. Oh, here we go. You ready? Sneeze. Um, Dab. This is it. God, do I remember how to do this? Woof. A listener production.